The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. I want to welcome you today to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church, which is located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCool, and I serve as pastor of Zion Primitive Baptist Church. We are a congregation of believers in the sovereign grace of God where families worship together through the simple practice of preaching, praying, and singing. If you live in this area or are visiting here, we would love to have you attend worship services with us. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. and the first and third Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. I'm happy to note that our daily podcast is featured on Grace Alone Radio, which you can find at gracealoneradio.net. You can find the schedule on the website, and you can also download an app to your phone so that you can listen wherever you are. Grace Alone Radio is a 24-hour streaming service which carries the message of God's sovereign grace around the clock and around the world. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. That's near the intersection of County Road 49 and Alabama Highway 159, about 10 miles north of Gordo, Alabama, and about 8 miles northeast of Reform, Alabama. If you're interested in finding more sermons, you can go to our website at zionpbc.com, that's z-i-o-n-p-b-c.com, where you'll find all of our posted sermons as well as a link to subscribe to our podcast. You can also subscribe to our website which will update you every time a new sermon is posted. Yesterday, we began looking at Romans chapter 10 in an effort to be ready to answer those who believe that the salvation discussed there is eternal salvation. Elder Buddy Abernathy, who preached a two-part sermon series on this topic back in 2017, explains to us clearly that the salvation under consideration is gospel salvation or conversion and not eternal salvation. Join us today and over the next couple of days as we continue to look at this issue of being ready to answer when it comes to Romans chapter 10. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit.
have read the history of many of our ministers in the past. And it's interesting that's, that it seems that there's somewhat of a pattern that the ministers that had the greatest gifts went through the greatest, the greatest uh, bondage of feeling like that they, there's no way they could ever be saved. I've read accounts of them that they would spend months maybe going out in the woods to pray. And, and I've read accounts of when one said he, he felt like he was going out there for the last time to pray and he was just going to die. There was no hope for him. We know he was already born again, don't we? There was already spiritual life there. There was already zeal. But when he came to understand the truth that Jesus saved him, and it's not based on anything he did, that gave deliverance. And I have read account after account after account of preachers that said I was under bondage that I couldn't bear, and then one day it's if the light came on and all that was lifted and I saw that Jesus was my righteousness. That was a common experience. And I found it's interesting that those that suffered the most seem to have some of the greatest gifts. And you know why? Paul said, or the Lord said to Paul, my strength is made perfect in weakness. You know how the Lord keeps a preacher humble? It's through experiences like that. Most ministers have afflictions. You remember David said, it is good for me that I have been afflicted. David said it's healthy that I've went through what I've been through because it, it prevents me from having pride or, or not trusting the Lord or not being humble in His sight. Now look at Galatians 3. Verse 11. But that no man is justified by the law... In the sight of God, it is evident. There's no doubt that you can't get right with God based on the works that you're doing to try to get right with God. Four, look at the end of verse 11. The just shall live by faith. Here's what that's saying. Those that are righteous, and the word just there doesn't mean self-righteousness. It means those that are legally justified. How did you become legally right with God? It was through the offering of Jesus to God. God accepted it. That declared you legally righteous before God. And he says the people that are in that category, they live... Not talking about they're born again or they get spiritual life. But here's how they function. They function, they live by faith. Here's what that means. And I'll show you this in Romans 10 in a moment. He's saying the just shall live by faith. In other words, the way, what keeps us going is we have confidence that Jesus saved. Isn't that our fellowship here at Zion? If you get right down to the core of it, here's our fellowship. We're a bunch of sinners 
that know we're sinners and know we deserve hell and know we can't make things right with God, but we have faith, we have confidence that Jesus made things right between us and God and that's how we live. That's how we function. That's what keeps us going. That's our only hope. The just shall live by faith. Verse 12 of Galatians 3. And the law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. If you put your confidence for being safe from your sins in your works, then that doesn't require faith in what Jesus did. You're, you're, you're saying, okay, I'm living good, I'm keeping uh, the law of God, and therefore because of that I'm going to heaven. See, that requires no faith in what Jesus did. You see, when you put faith in Christ, it doesn't make, it doesn't uh, cause anything to happen other than it gives you deliverance in your soul. It gives you a sense of peace and liberty when you put your faith in Christ. That's not the step to take in order to go to heaven. It's the step to take. It's the doctrine to accept. Do we believe in accepting Christ? I'll go this far with it. You need to accept the fact that Jesus saved you when he offered himself to God. I want you to accept that. I want you to accept that that's the way it is so that you'll find peace and rest and not be under bondage. I have people ask me every now and then since they know I'm a preacher. Maybe there's someone that had lived a good life but later on in life they fell away from that and they maybe were killed in a car wreck while living in that a rebellious lifestyle and they'll say well buddy what do you think about that case and they're not challenging what I believe they're sincerely inquiring buddy I want to know are they in heaven or not but you see when you know the truth that's never a bother to you because you know I have nothing to do with it they had nothing to do with it and if a person's ever lived a sincerely godly life they are a child of God I know that in me, and I hope that you know that in you, the potential for evil and wickedness is always there. There's no, you know, we could all be like the prodigal son, couldn't we? We could all go and wallow in the mire. That's still there. Unfaithfulness, adultery, fornication, lying, stealing, all that's still inside of you. But thankfully we have a new nature that's of God that hates all that. But there's a constant fight. Who's the strongest? The flesh or the spirit? I like what I heard one preacher say. He said, you know which one's going to be strongest? The one you feed the most. The one you give nutrition to. The one you nourish. The one you exercise. If you feed the flesh, do the things of the flesh, you're constantly exercising in the things of the flesh, that nature is going to be the strongest and it's going to rule your behavior. That's why we constantly need the nourishment of 
God's Word. And we need to be around other people that want to exercise in the realm we want to exercise in. Provoking one another unto love and good works. Now go back to Romans chapter 10. My heart's desire and prayer to God for my relatives that don't know the truth is that they might be saved. Because I can see that they're a child of God. But they think that the way they're going to go to heaven and the way their children are going to go to heaven and the way that anybody they know is going to go to heaven is because of their decision, their works, their godly life. Paul says, I want them to get over that. I want them to... I don't want them to go to funerals and think, well, you know, they weren't a member of the church. Are they going to heaven? Paul says, I want them to find relief from that bondage. And he says, here's the answer. When you accept the fact that Jesus saved us, that brings you to the end of that road that the end of carrying that uh, heavy yoke of thinking I've got to do something to be saved. Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. In the book of Acts, when they talked about when there were those that were trying to uh, bring the Christians back under the teachings of the law. Peter, I believe it was, stood up and said, Why tempt ye God to put a neck upon the, to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples which neither we nor our fathers were able to bear? God's people have never been able to bear that yoke. But you know what our yoke is? The yoke of bondage, of thinking I've got to live good enough to get to heaven, when you know the truth of the gospel, and I, I hope and I believe nobody in this building is carrying that yoke. But there is a yoke, a yoke of service. But that yoke, that yoke is easy. Because <laughs> I know if I mess up, that other yoke's still gone. I'm still saved. This is easy compared to that old yoke I used to wear. Because Jesus is a loving God. He'll chasten us when we disobey Him. But the only purpose of the chastisement is to get us back on the road of obedience, which is what is best for us. He never chastens us to destroy us. But he can be like a, that good, faithful father. He'll take you out behind the woodshed when you need to be taken there. But it's not, to, it's not to run you away from the home. It's simply to say, hey, if you want to live in this home, you've got to behave yourself. If you want to be a member of the church, you've got to behave yourself. That doesn't mean that if you slip up, we're going to put you out. But... That's the goal that every one of us should have. That if I'm going to be, if I'm going to live in this house, I got to behave the way my father says. You know, I've always looked at it this way, and I've, I'm glad I've never had any problems in this realm. But I've always had the idea that as long as my children are under my roof, I'm the authority. 
They can't do whatever they want to while they're under my roof. I'm hoping when they leave out from under my roof, they'll do what they were taught while they were under my roof. But once they move out, I can't control them like that. But if they want to live in my house, they've got to abide by my rules. And I think that's good for parents to be that way. That doesn't mean you disrespect the child. That doesn't mean that you're not considerate, that they're no longer a three-year-old, that now they're a teenager. There's a lot of other considerations. But ultimately, the parents are the authority. That's what's happened today in our culture. Nobody knows who's what anymore. Nobody knows who the authority is. Nobody knows what their responsibility is. Now, Look at verse 5 of Romans 10. For Moses describeth the righteousness which is of the law, that the man which doeth those things shall live by them. In other words, you perform well, you're okay with God. If you don't perform well, you're dead. See, and then he says, listen to this. But the righteousness of faith speaketh on this wise. Here's the way the person that puts their trust in Christ looks at it. Uh, Say not in thine heart, who shall ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above, or who shall descend into the deep, that is to bring Christ again from the dead. But what saith it? What does the righteousness of faith say? Here's what that means. This is the person who thinks they're right with God because they have confidence in what Jesus did. That's the reason I think I'm going to heaven. Isn't that the reason you think you're going to heaven? I don't think I'm going to heaven if the way there is how good I behave myself. I don't, I, if I believe that, I would not think I was going to heaven. How about you? But I think I'm going to heaven. There's nothing wrong with saying that. I think I'm going to heaven because I am honoring the one that saved me from my sins. I can rest in that. But what saith the word of faith? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thine heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. Now, I want you to get this. Paul says, what we are preaching is already in your mouth and in your heart. What he means by that is what we're preaching about Jesus being the Savior, period. Our preaching that directly corresponds with what's inside of you as a result of the new birth. See, truth is what the heart of the born-again child of God is hungry for. But some of them have never tasted of it. You know, if you've always eaten a certain kind of food, that's the only food you have ever eaten. And you know, it's sort of like, I'll just give you a good example this morning. You know, I went outside to read and, and while I was out there, I fed the cats. You know, we have some dry cat food. You know, you can read a package of cat food today and it's almost like the cats are kids. This has antioxidants. This has protein. This builds healthy bones. You know, like, like the cats are people or something. And you know, they would eat a little bit of that and they would walk away and then when they realized, well, I'm not quite full, they'd come back and eat a few more. But then I walked, I walked out there with my bre uh, breakfast plate with eggs. 
They responded to that in a way they didn't to cat food. But if all you've ever had is cat food, you're not hungry for something else. Once you have tasted the truth of the gospel of Christ, you don't want that old dry food anymore. You want those eggs. You want that bacon. You want that that really tastes good. And that answers this question that I often ask myself. I look at people who go to churches where this truth is not taught. And they're content. They are. And I don't want to try. I'm not wanting to cause problems in their life. Uh, usually, you'll not make progress with someone unless they're unsatisfied where they are. But I think, how can they be satisfied with that? It's because they've never tasted this. I've heard the saying before, now this is not 100%, but I've heard people say before, once someone uh, knows the truth, they can't go anywhere else. They may go somewhere else, but I believe there will always be something there in the back of their mind that resonates with the truth. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thine heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. Now, notice how this is explained in, in Jeremiah 31. We've already said that because you're born again and the Spirit of God dwells in you, it's only logical to say that the gospel of your salvation resonates with what's already in your mouth and in your heart. Now look at Jeremiah 31 and verse 33. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, this is talking about the gospel age. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts and will be their God and they shall be my people. And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord. For they shall all know me from the least of them unto the greatest of them, saith the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. Now we're going to conclude with this verse, but I want you to really see what's here, because this, can, this verse can only be understood by those that understand salvation by grace. Notice what he says. Here's the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days. Now listen, it has always been this way, but the covenant in the Old Testament was the law service which was training and teaching God's people the truth that we need a sacrifice for our sins. This was still going on back then, but the law was training them that it is this way. Here's what I'm talking about. This is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days. I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts 
and will be their God and they shall be my people. Is there anything you do listed there? No. God says, I'm going to put my law in their inward parts. I'm going to write in their hearts and will be their God. And because of what I do, they shall be my people. One of my favorite passages, and I'll not turn to it for the sake of time, uh, Romans chapter 2 around verse 14, it says the Gentiles which have not the law. They've never heard the word of God. They've never been exposed to it. They don't know anything about it. The Gentiles which have not the law are a law unto themselves because they show forth the law written in their heart. The meanwhile accusing and excusing one another. In other words, they judge certain behaviors wrong and certain behaviors right. Not because they had read the Bible, but because they had a conscience that was in tune with God as a result of the new birth. And that gave them indications of whether something was right or wrong. I'll write my laws in their heart. He says, and I will be their God and they shall be my people. And then finally, look at this verse. And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, know the Lord. Now here's something we need to be careful with. I remember hearing a number of primitive Baptist preachers say things like this. You don't need to teach your children about the Lord. I've even heard some say, if the Lord wants your children in the church, he'll put them there. You need to rightly divide this. He's saying that we can't teach anybody to know the Lord. I cannot give spiritual life to anyone. I can't cause anyone to know God in that sense. Only God can quicken. But the Bible's full of instruction about teaching people, especially your children, the truth about God. We don't, we, we don't interpret this to mean that, hey, I don't need to do anything. Uh, my children are going to know God, know all about Him, join the church if He wants them to. No, we have responsibility. They shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they all shall know me. The all is all that the Father giveth me. They all shall know me from the least of them unto the greatest of them, saith the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity. And I'll remember their sin no more. You know what my job is? To let them know that God forgave their iniquity. And that gives them the rest that they need while in this present world. Thank you for joining us today on the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. I hope the message has been uplifting and beneficial to you and that the Lord will continue to bless you to grow in grace and knowledge of the truth. Join us again tomorrow for another message of God's sovereign grace. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.